0: Father, thank you for this beautiful August morning. Thank you that we can open your word, and God, I pray you would impress upon each of our hearts the truth that we so desperately need to know. We'll give you all the praise in thy precious name. Amen. Well, I am glad you're in Sunday school. We're in a two-part Sunday school lesson that begins with shh. Really? It really begins with shh. Turn to your Bibles to Psalm 46.10. Psalm 46.10, where God is telling you and me to do this. Ready? Shh. Hi, Natalie. He's telling us to be still. So turn to the lady next to you and say, be still. Okay? <laughs> and that automatically just makes us move, doesn't it? But that, that be still is an on-purpose quieting quieting my head, my heart, my mouth. It's, it's being still. In my Bible, I have be still in quotes. Be still. And then I have the word "no" underlined. God is calling me to be still because there's something he wants us to know, Louise. And until I am still until I step away from the noise of my life and the distractions and the obligations and the responsibilities, until I make myself still, I'm not going to hear it. I'm not going to hear it. Jim Berg wrote a great book entitled The Noise of the Soul. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And that's exactly what God is calling me to. He's saying, Kathy, quiet down for just a moment. There's There's something you really need to know. It's going to change every moment of your day as you choose to know what I have to tell you now that you're being still. Now, what is it that God wants me to know, Jan? He says it right here. Ready? Be still and know. Finish it, class. That I am God. I am God. Now, let that percolate. Let that percolate in your mind. Child, be still. You've got to know this today. You've got to know that I am God. Because it's going to change everything in your day as you reflect on this, as you review this truth. But go a little bit deeper in this fact of I. What does that mean? He is God. I have some Isaiah verses up here that I added to last week's that will be so good for your personal study this week. But what does it mean? Well, first of all, I am God. It means, first of all, you add to the knowledge. You've been given the knowledge. Be still and know this. I am God. Now add to what we know. We know that he is God. What does that mean? Isaiah 45.5. Listen to this. I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. In other words, I am God, child. I knew you before you were even aware of me. Now, what does that connect to as you add knowledge to these wonderful, life-changing facts from God? Oh, doesn't that resonate with what David wrote in Psalm Thou hast searched me and known me. You numbered and knew my parts before they were even formed. Thou knowest my thoughts before I think them. This is that great God. Good morning. Good morning. No, no, no. <coughs> now listen to this next one. And by the way, you can just stay in Isaiah this week. If the Lord, Terry, stay in Isaiah and review this thing that we so desperately need to know. Isaiah 46, 45, 6. That they may know... From the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is, ready, none else. Girls, did the sun rise this morning? Yes. Know that that is the visual aid that God gives us every day. If the sun comes up, know this, I am God. Even on the days we can't see the sun. Are there days when you can't see why, when you can't see how, when you can't see when? Sure there are. Be established in the fact that, especially in those times when we can't see, God is there. God is in control. Isaiah 45, 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself. Oh, (laughs) my dear son. Thank you. You didn't forget. Uh, (laughs) Oh. He makes my day. That's right. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah, our Tina's here. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, wait, I see two of you. His honey. That's right. You know, the cutest thing when Clint was, was really young, he did not understand. He asked us for the longest time when he would come to church, he would say, Where, where's the other? where's the other where's the, he thought everybody came in twos because that's what he knew you know and it took us forever to figure out yeah what and Tim and Tom there were two we we did have a lot of twins you know and uh, and so when he would meet somebody well like when when uh, Diane Krusinski was always his cupcake and you know and but where's where's her other It took us forever to figure that out, and finally we figured it out. Yeah, Yeah. so not all of us come with others. It is okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all righty. Yep, yeah. Then Isaiah forty five twenty one. This is so beautiful. This is what you and I have to know. Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from the ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I, the Lord? And there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior, and there is none beside me. And this this God is my God and your God. This awesome, creator, loving, saving God is my God and your God. And God calls me. This is what is so mind-boggling. This God calls you and me to walk with him, to fellowship with him, to acknowledge him in all my ways. He wants to be with me. He wants me to be with him. And it changes everything when I'm in his company. Doug, Clint, and I went uh, golfing Thursday night. First time we have this summer. I don't know where the summer's gone, but that was the first chance we had. We went golfing, and Clint was in his glory. He was doing something with his Father and what his father does. Now, Clint has his own golf clubs. And uh, Clint steps onto the green with his dad beside him. And you know what? Clint becomes a different person. No pun intended because we're talking about golf here, but Clint doesn't get on that green with a handicap. <laughs> Clint gets on that green with his dad. And he's no longer just Clint. He's Ernie Els. He's Tiger Woods. He's Phil Mickelson. He, yeah, yeah. He's Bubba. Yeah, he is Bubba Watson. He is different because he's with his dad, and it's so cute. He he goes through this this celebration of what he's doing every time at every hole. He first of all he quiets the crowd. <laughs> he literally he quiets the crowd. You say, was there a crowd? No, but to Clint there was a crowd, and. And well, maybe the people waiting on us, you know, if you're a golfer. Um, he sees us on TV, and he sees these officials put up these cards, you know, that, say, that are, so he quiets the crowd. Then he gets his driver. He knows all of his clubs. He has his golf glove, golf glove on. And he, he positions himself, and he secures himself. And he takes instruction from his father. Clint, don't stand like this. Clint, put your feet closer together. And he does. And and then he looks, and then and then he stops everything, he takes his club, and he points to the flag. And he puts it back down, and then he takes more instruction from his father. Clint, keep your eye on the ball. Clint, don't lift your head. You know where you're aiming, now just swing. And with great formality and great anticipation of doing what his dad can do, he rears back, and he follows through, and he hits that ball nine out of no, eight out of no, six out of ten times. And he is thrilled. He is thrilled. He looks at me for affirmation. I'm clapping, you know. He looks at his dad because that's what really counts. And dad says, Good job. Good job, son. Clint puts his driver back, gets in the cart, goes to the next, to the next attempt. Now Are there failures? Of course there are failures. Did they matter? No, because he was with his father. Did he focus on regrets? Oh, that one went in the water. No, it wasn't about that. Did he focus on the work of finding the ball in the weeds? No, it wasn't about that. It wasn't about how many shots it took him to get where he wanted to go. It was all about being with his father. Now, and doing something that on his own he could not do, you know where I'm going to go with this. God calls us, this great God, be still and know that I am God. He calls me into his fellowship. He wants to make me more than who I am. He wants me to quit living in the land of regrets or the land of failure. Do I have regrets? Yes. Do I have failures? Of course. But they're not the point. The point is I get to walk with him And he is going to instruct me. He's going to say, Kathy, look at the goal, but don't put your feet so far apart, you know. (laughs) He's going to give me instruction for my walk today that is going to keep me focused on, I'm with him. I know him. I know the God who made this earth, and he invites me to walk with him all day today. Turn to your Bibles to Jeremiah. This is so beautiful. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he, ready, understandeth and knoweth me. That's what we get to glory in every day. And girls, it so minimizes the things that we maximize, and it so maximizes and opens me up to what I have every day because this God is my God, and he's in control. Did the sun come up? Yes, God is in control of this day. Tomorrow morning is Monday morning. Before you start flying around with all that you have to do, be still. Be still and know what you need to know for this Monday morning. He's God, and he's your God. And tell him you want his instruction for the day, tell him you want to live free. You want to live free from the law of sin and death, where I would be condemned to live every day were it not for the power of the cross and the fact that he is my God. And then thank him for his company. Thanking builds a gratitude in my heart that Monday morning wants to just wipe away. Thank you, thank you Lord. You're going to go with me every step of it. You're going to supply what I need and then take his instruction on how to walk. Teach me thy way, O oh Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Not my feelings, not Kathy's truth, but in thy truth. Unite our hearts, because that's the whole point. The whole point was glory in this glory in the fact that this great God, we get to be in his company. Which brings us to last week's lesson, which made this a two-part lesson. How do I walk? Jesus is instructing the multitudes. Now turn to your Bible, to Matthew, which is where we left off last week. Matthew chapter 5, verse 41. Jesus is talking to the multitudes about their day. (laughs) About their day. And he begins With the law, because everybody knew the law. And he says, whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Two. What? Do you know how much I do already, Lord? Do you know what I can't? I cannot cannot go another mile. (laughs) I cannot do this again. And you're compelling me to go twain? Well, let me explain it. First of all, the law was something that everybody knew about. In the Roman times, everybody knew the law of the land. See, the law of the land or the law of life, they're synonymous as I talk about the law of the land and the law of life. Their life was restricted by the Romans. The Romans had built this very intricate road system that marked every mile with a stone marker and it pointed into the direction of getting to Rome and and how far away it was. So every mile of every road in these conquered territories were marked so you knew which way it was to go to Rome. And you had to live by the law of this land, which meant any soldier or any Roman citizen um, could call on anybody who is not a Roman soldier or a citizen and require them to carry his backpack for a mile, but only for a mile. So in other words, if you were working in the fields, if you were um, um, walking along the road, at any given moment, the Roman soldier could say, hey, hey, you got to carry my backpack for a mile, for a mile, on a busy day on an already irritating day, on a hot day. And Jesus is calling the multitudes, don't go with them just one mile with their backpack, go two. Why? Because it's the miracle of second-mile Christianity, and this is what we're going to talk about, the miracle. First of all, it's it's the law of life, the law of life is hard. It's it's very hard. Turn to turn to John sixteen thirty three while I'm talking to you. John sixteen thirty three. The laws of life um, are they fair? No. Are they fair, class? Are they hard, class? Yep. Yes. And and what did Jesus say? Jesus is going to address that. Jesus doesn't coat. He doesn't coat it with just some nebulous, mind-over-matter thinking. He, he is giving me a truth here in reference to the fact Jesus knew how hard and unfair and hurtful this life is. That's why he came in the form of human flesh, to be a high priest that was touched with every infirmity, every single thing that you and I are touched with in life, touched our Savior so he could be my high priest, so he could say, this is how you do this, Kathy." This is how you do this, Tina. This is how you handle this, Judy. Um, The law of life. Some laws of life. Um, Laws like spending three hours trying to get a prescription filled. That's the first mile law. You got to do it. You have to do the law. You got to do it. Uh, The law of life, something like um, getting bit by a spider. That's the law of life, the law of an upcoming doctor's appointment when you don't know what's going on in this precious little grandson's body. Yeah, the laws of life, they're hard. The law of putting the kitchen back together at the rescue. Yeah, it's, it's hard, and it can feel overwhelming, and some days it is overwhelming, and it is in that overwhelming point that God calls you and me to go the second mile because he's got something to put in my backpack that is not only going to strengthen me and equip me to do what he has told me to do, but it's going to energize me as nothing else will. What is it? I've got to know what to put into that backpack because life is exhausting, life is unfair, and life is demanding. And God says that's exactly why I'm asking you to do what you're misinterpreting as more. It's not more. It's the thing that's going to save you in your day. Jesus knew I would start every day bound to the law of life. For instance, the law of life, you have to get up. It's the law. Okay, tell the lady next year you, have to get up. You have to. <laughs> it's the law. It's the law. You, you have to get up. It's the natural law. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It is the law. But this is what is so beautiful. Jesus knew I would naturally, and when I say naturally, I'm talking about the natural Kathy. I'm talking about the old Kathy, the natural Kathy who was a slave to living naturally, the natural Kathy. I was born in sin. I'm a born sinner. I never lose that old nature until I get translated to heaven. So I live with what comes naturally all the time. Remember last week, as I told you about, you'd think at this point in my life I'd have this this natural thing under control it never leaves it never stops now praise god we can learn we can learn through experience we can learn Christ and we can know the way but putting it into practice it is still the same battle and you read about it in Romans as Paul said there is a law it's talking about the law of life there's a law that tells me to do this and i end up doing the the opposite He says, but praise God, there's another law. It's the law of walking in newness of life, of finding that victory that we find because of the power of the cross. I loved Wednesday night's Bible study. It's so interwove, all the scriptures, some I knew, some I didn't know, but made this beautiful tapestry of, I am free, I am free. I am not bound by the law of sin and death that I would be living in apart from the power of the cross. I am dead. I'm dead to that which would be my you once walked in trespasses and sin. You were you were dead. You were dead. But now you get to walk in newness of life. Because the Spirit of God dwelleth in you and me. So, and then and then Pastor left with this little nugget that was, to me it was just such a, a ta-da. He said, Do dead people worry? Do the dead worry? No, the dead don't worry. They can't. They can't. They're dead. So when I'm worrying, where am I living? I've just... I'm the walking dead. I'm the walking dead. When I worry, I'm I'm living unto what I used to be, what I have been saved from. When I get mad, when I get angry... I'm back in that dead. I'm back, and it should appall me. But there are so many walking dead Christians, I, you know, we're not appalled by it. Our holy God is. He says, child, I saved you from that. Why are you walking dead again? I saved you into newness of life. The law, keeping the law. Keeping that law naturally, it's going to so discourage us. It's going to so fatigue us. It's going to so destroy us, and that's what the devil wants. The devil wants more than anything else. He wants Hemlock seeing nothing but the walking dead. Well, praise God. They They see walking in newness of life. Oh, to live changed. Girls, it would turn this world upside down. We've got to get serious about it. We've got to take every experience in which I just naturally respond and naturally say, God, forgive me. This is wrong. You saved me from having to be stuck here. You changed me into being a second-mile Christian. Now give me your grace because this is what we're going to get into, to be that second-mile Christian. Put this in your backpack. 1 John 4.4. Who's got that? Would you read it for me? 1 John 4.4. We are children and we have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Yes! We're overcomers. This life should not be overcoming us. We get to overcome this life because greater is he which is in us than he, than all the hard things and all those first miles that we have to do He's greater than all of that. He has something for me to add to these first miles. First or Second Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for thee. Don't let this roll off. Absorb it. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect when? In that first mile. My, and that is where when I determine to add what God gives me to add, that is what propels me into the second mile. That is what invigorates me. That is what strengthens me. Add God's grace, and God has a number of these different graces that we're going to talk about. Last week I told you about uh, the Wednesday that I was running all over the place, flying like that busy bee on your cookie, and um, and I was and I was getting all things done, and I had packed up this little bag for Tina of oil, and it didn't get to her, and I was irritated that my husband had reorganized some things and that he didn't sit and. and and, you know, and I I was searching for this $20 bottle of oil. And the more I searched, the more irritated I became. It was a 100-degree garage in which I was searching. And, you know, the communication between uh, Doug and myself, and then I checked with Tina, it was just all circular. It was not accomplishing anything. You been there? <laughs> all right. And so I was irritated, and I thought, I've got to find this and finally I walked into the kitchen and I thought how could such a little thing irritate me? It's because I didn't add God's grace to my running. I was doing the first mile all by myself not with God's grace Jesus specifically says child in your run run with what? Patience run with patience. There was no patience in my run there was just a lot of impatience. And while the bottle of oil was only $20, my impatience was costing me a whole lot more. I had, um, I had <laughs> communicated that irritation with my dear husband. And the girls, my husband uh, is more organized than I would ever hope to be. He cleans up my messes. He does not make messes for me. This man is nigh to perfect. And yet I was irritated with him. So I said, dear Lord, I'm sorry. And as soon as I quieted my spirit from all the irritating run and rushing and sweating and blah, 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 The first thing the Lord said to me, and I shared this with you, shame on you, Kathy. And immediately, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us to correct us, Mm -hmm. to give us instruction, to bring us back, to equip me for that second mile, and to correct me from living naturally. I was living very, I just lived what came natural. I was irritated. So (laughs) after he corrected me, I started thanking the Lord, and I said, oh, dear Lord, Thank you for forgiving me, and I can't, make, I can't wait to make this right with my husband. He, he never loses stuff. He's my helper all the time, and he's only got one good eye. <laughs> and so the beautiful thing about it was as soon as I asked for forgiveness and confessed my wrong, as soon as I did that, the irritation left me. And the bottle still was still lost, but the irritation left me. I was equipped to go on with the next mile and, and, and make it right, and I was purposing on purpose that the next mile would be the second mile because I would add God's grace of patience to whatever I'm doing. Now, here's the kicker. Doug wasn't going to be home until the next day, um, so that next morning after the Fiasco! I got up. At, we always get up at six, and I walk to the kitchen. And as I walk to the kitchen, I'm hearing this grinding, screeching noise. And I'm thinking, what is our neighbor doing so early in the morning? I mean, it was loud. And I thought, where's that coming from? I ran down to the basement, Louise. It wasn't down there. The noise got softer, so I ran back upstairs. I'm going, where is this? I opened up the garage door, and there! is my freezer. I step into a huge puddle of water. My freezer is screaming at a high pitch, and I'm going, (gasps) Now, immediately, because I'd already had my be still and know that I am God, my first reaction was, Dear Lord, what's going on? Now, I had to shout it because my, re- my freezer was really loud. <laughs> Lord, what's going on? Lord, Lord, what should I do? What should I do? I immediately invited him into my trouble. Yes. I acknowledged him in this ridiculous, horrendous noise. And so I ran back into the kitchen, and I started unloading the freezer that's underneath my refrigerator in the kitchen of all the non-essentials, you know. The, the bread, the ice cube trays, the popsicles. Sorry, grandchildren. All all that's all that's going. And I ran back out into the garage and I got the stuff that was still frozen. And I'm putting the good meat into the freezer that was still frozen. And now it's 620 and I'm going what? There's there's still Daniel, can you come help your mother in law? <laughs> Bless his heart. He is in the car. He is on his way. I open the garage door. He looks at this huge puddle, the open-door freezer, everything dripping. He goes, oh, Mom. And I said, Daniel, guess what? It's not eternal. It's not important. The truth that I so beautifully learned again. He said, well ran and got ice at a gas station. We had these big coolers. We put the ice in the coolers. Saved more meat. Now the remarkable thing is there was not an ounce of irritation in me. Um, I was in the right presence. I was with my father. I didn't know how we were going to get all this done but we were doing our best. And I was praising the Lord. I have two crockpots. I started two two big racks of ribs. We were going to have we were going to have wonderful ribs the next day. I turned my oven on. I took my half thawed chicken, put it in casserole dishes, and butter, salt, and pepper, shoved it in the shoved it in the oven. Now this is all before seven thirty. Okay, so we were we were really moving. Well, Daniel says I'm going to get online and see when the scratch and dent appliance store opens. And uh, he says, but, Mom, I'm going to try one more thing. He got on YouTube with the make and model of our freezer, and he saw the fan frozen with ice. Now, it had overheated. It had overheated in our overheated garage. You know the garage I had spent an hour looking for a $20 <laughs> bottle of oil? Okay, it had overheated and stuck it, and it was... By, by then, it had gone dead silent, okay? It got tired of screaming, and it just went dead <laughs> silent. It was dead. My freezer was dead. And... Um, so we cleaned everything off. My, my freezer, the panel's on the inside. It's not on the coils on the outside. It was all on the inside. Well, it had been all unloaded, and so we could get right to it, and that's where we saw all the frozen fan and all the problems. We wiped everything down, shut the door. I went to finish dressing, getting dressed, and get Clint's breakfast um, because I was going to go shopping for a replacement. And as I'm brushing my teeth, I'm just thanking the Lord. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you, I have legs to run. <laughs> Boy, I ran. Lord, and all of a sudden, as I'm brushing my teeth and making myself halfway presentable, Daniel calls, Mom, Mom, come here, listen. walk up there, what had been dead silent was beginning to purr, like an appliance coming to life. I went, Daniel, do you think it works? He says, Put some water in a plastic cup. Daniel's so smart. He, he really gets these things. Put it in the freezer. We'll shut the door. We'll see if it freezes. I said, I love that. So I said, Daniel, by, by I had loaded up uh, the stuff that had thawed, you know, sausage and, and um, some ham and some orida fries that are gluten-free that I knew Caitlin would, you know, and I said, Daniel, take all this home and, and enjoy, and he says, thanks, Mom, he says, go ahead. I said, go ahead and go. It's almost 9 o'clock by now. And I said, I'll let you know if it freezes. I walk back in, reach for the Excedrin, <laughs> take two. <laughs> and then I go to put my coffee on. I've not had my morning coffee. <laughs> and, and, you know, I put that coffee on, and I said, Lord, this coffee is going to taste so good. Do you know I was going to appreciate that coffee way more Than I would have, if I would have gotten up at my 6 o'clock time and put the coffee on and enjoyed my coffee. No, this coffee was going to be a treasure. I drank it. And uh, thank the Lord for his grace in learning to run with patience. We're going to talk about the different graces matching our run next week, but let me end with this. God works in the smallest details. When we choose the second mile, when we choose it, that word "compel" it means a willingness to do in the middle of an offense or in the middle of an irritation. See, that's what that second mile would have been to those 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 people that Jesus was talking to. They're not going to run behind a tree. They're not going to get behind a shed when that soldier cut. No, there's, there was a willingness to do to show, to be, and that's what God is calling us to in our second-mile Christianity living, a willingness to invite him in my word. He calls for me to walk with him all day. He says, child, add this to your first mile, to the things that you have to do, and you can't believe the difference I'm going to make. Cleaning up the freezer mess, I move another cabinet to sweep. It's all I thought I might as well finish cleaning this, this garage. So I, I moved another cabinet, and when I did, out fell the little blue gauze bag with the vial of oil that so taught me, I laughed right out loud. I said, oh, dear Lord, you are so good, and you are so patient. Thank you for teaching me what I desperately needed to know all over again. God's word is so practical, girls. The point of it is, and now I get to hand deliver it <laughs> to my daughter. God says, child, why do you keep going back and living, Dad? I saved you unto liberty. I saved you unto life. But you're only going to taste that when you apply my grace to that thing that you have to do, that first mile of living. Let me teach you. Let me equip you. Let me fill you. Because life so empties. And apart from that second mile living, we just stay Kathy. And people don't see anything but Kathy. But when I apply that second mile, grace of God, that's when people see Christ. And that's the goal. Not about the success, the can-do, the can-have. No matter of fact, it is in my weakness I find a strength that is only from God. And God shows Himself faithful. Dear Father, first of all, we just humble our hearts and say, Save us from that natural living, that that living unto what was dead and sinful. The works of the flesh, God, they're all they're all so easy to pick up. No wonder we get so burdened with the heavy weights. And you tell us, Those are are weights we're not supposed to be carrying. Father, you call us into life and liberty. You call us into walking light because we're walking in your presence. God, may we take this beautiful principle and apply it. It's different for every one of us, but it's the same principle. It's the principle of walking and fellowshipping and knowing you are God in the details of my day and fellowshipping in that wonderful company the company that makes me different than just Kathy we'll give you all the praise we look forward to that ultimate change when there's not even going to be a first mile walk because we're going to be with you God I do pray for Tori this morning the sorrow of her mom being gone but Lord we don't sorrow as those who have no hope And so, God, I just pray you would lift her heart, comfort her heart, and the rest of the family members. In thy precious name, amen.